Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast, brought to you in part by Book of Zen, makers of inspirational fashion and gift ideas. Visit them online at bookofzen.com. Today's podcast has been edited and adapted from The Wonders of Life by Ida Luella Redinghouse Lyon, published in 1910. Somebody has said that without life, the universe would be wasted. But without consciousness, life itself would be wasted. A happy consciousness is the crowning triumph of nature's achievements. A happy consciousness is the underlying purpose of all the wonders of the ages. That dismal old saying that humanity was made to mourn is being relegated to the rubbish heap along with the other rhetorical junk that condemns us to suffering for suffering's sake. We were not made to mourn. We were made to look hopefully into the future, not brood wretchedly over the past. It is absurd to say there is no hope. There is always hope while there is life. The fact that hope springs eternal in the human breast is evidence that hope is not without foundation. Surely nature would not have implanted this hope within us if there were not good and sufficient reasons for hoping, or given us a soul-absorbing desire without the means of satisfying it. But we must, ourselves, find the means. You must search out the truth for yourself, and if you set about it earnestly, you will find it, for the world cannot help you unless you will make an effort to help yourself. When you begin to help yourself by doing what you can in your own way, you will find help as you progress, help that will come in unexpected ways, and as you need it. Disasters must necessarily overtake us. There are storms in the psychological as well as the physical life. But there is a purpose in the intensity of feeling which such mental disturbances awaken. They serve to prepare the soul for the happiness which is to follow. The darkest hour is just before the dawn. Consciousness cannot be one unbroken condition of happiness, for consciousness depends upon change for its very existence. Thomas More gracefully expressed this in the saying, We've had some happy hours together but joy must often change its wings, and spring would be but gloomy weather if we had nothing else but spring. Consciousness has been appropriately called the window of the mind, through which it looks out upon and communes with kindred mind. Consciousness, like will, thought, and feeling, is an instrument of mind which we can describe only as that which we are conscious of being and which we recognize in connection with everything in nature. The signals communicated by the optic nerve result in the consciousness of that which we call light. The auditory nerve imparts a different signal, which results in the recognition of that which we call sound. Sensations differ according to the difference in signals imparted to the brain cells by the sensory nerves, and which are called sensory stimuli. 
But these signals are not all the result of stimuli from outside the body, as in the case of light and sound. There are, within the body, nerve centers which send impulses to the brain cells, differing from those sensory impulses excited by light and sound waves. We are thus conscious of forces at work not only outside the body, but within it as well. The personality is that degree of consciousness which we command. Thoughts come and go. They may never come again in precisely the same way, or indeed at all. But each has left an indelible trace of its presence upon the brain. Thoughts are always causing changes in the brain, and hence in the personality. We are therefore the builders of our own characters. No two personalities are alike, for the reason that no two individuals can have exactly the same thoughts, feelings, and will, and hence cannot be conscious in precisely the same degree. And no one person remains in the same state of degree of consciousness for long. We cannot live without growing in knowledge, the knowledge gained by experience. There is the old saying, live and learn, which is quite true. But the knowledge which the wisest person possesses is trivial in comparison with that which they do not, and never can, know. We know little of the thoughts and feelings of those about us, and are often groping in the dark, treading unconsciously upon the tenderest feelings of those whom we love. That the will is not used to the full extent of its power needs scarcely to be mentioned, and feelings are seldom recognized in their true character as an actual force which must be reckoned with. We plod along in the same dull way, for years and years, imagining that we live. And we might continue to do so for a whole lifetime, were it not that some seemingly chance combination of circumstances awakened our consciousness to an awareness of feelings which no former experience had ever even remotely suggested. Emotions which enable us to more fully comprehend the meaning of life and our place in it. Psychologists are convinced of the reality of a conscious existence apart from our waking consciousness, and yet intimately connected with it. This is called the subconscious mind, and the term is not inappropriate, for while it is a superior consciousness, it is subservient to the will of the waking consciousness. In many respects, this mysterious subconscious mind bears a strong family resemblance to habit. While we sleep, this consciousness is active in carrying out the suggestions given to it by our waking thoughts. It behooves us, therefore, to be careful with what thoughts we meditate upon before falling asleep. If our thoughts and feelings are those of love and happiness and hope, the subconscious mind employs its mystic power in supplying the means of surrounding ourselves with those conditions. We have, then, but to use whatever means is at hand to secure those possessions which we desire. If our first efforts are unsuccessful, we must try again. Our failures are often stepping stones to success. We must not despair if the happiness we seek does not come precisely by the means we anticipated. We must leave fate to attend to the manner of its accomplishment, and do what we can, do the task that lies nearest, however trivial or inconsequential it may seem and be assured that fate is abundantly able to perform her part of the job.
However, if we fall asleep with thoughts and feelings of pride and coldness and aloofness, the subconscious mind gets busy erecting barriers between us and our fellow human beings. To go to sleep with the mind filled with thoughts of care and anxiety, thoughts of pain and suffering, of want and wretchedness, is to set powerful forces at work to perpetuate and increase the misery which we deplore, and from which there will be no relief until outraged feeling rebels and occasions a psychological storm which clears the atmosphere and brings, often through humiliation and suffering, at last relief. Brooding over past suffering or trouble, or over the misery of others, is the deadliest of habits. It is the very apex of self-destructive acts. There is absolutely no virtue in it. It brings no happiness to anyone, at any time. What does bring happiness is the joyful acceptance of change. Change is one of the conditions of existence. It is the price we pay for the power of consciousness. From the moment when we are endowed with the breath of life, to that seemingly final change which deprives us of it, our existence is a continuous succession of changes marking our development. The development does not end with what is usually called maturity, for we never cease to mature while we live. There is purpose in age no less than in youth. Age offers possibilities undreamed of by those who look upon it only as a weary time of waiting for death. It is a good thing to remember that the soul never grows old. It is only when we lose interest in life that we court dissolution. For we must change, and if we make no use of the forces which we represent, we become an easy prey to the destructive forces of nature. There are old people who have allowed the disappointments they have met to so embitter their lives that they feel only hatred and jealousy for those who are young and more fortunate. They forget that the young have also their troubles and disappointments, often very hard to bear. They may be imaginary or they may be real, but life is not all a bed of roses for the young. Deal gently with the old, for they have come a long way and be kind to the young, for they have a long journey before them. I do not know to whom we owe this excellent advice, but it is a beautiful thought well expressed. There are delightful old people who have kept their hearts young and hopeful amidst the changes and disappointments which the passing years have brought. Men and women who are charming companions for the young or old, it is not always those who have had the most trying experiences who have acquired a hard and bitter feeling and have convinced themselves that they are ill-used and the victims of an unkind fate. It is, in most cases, those who have lived and who still live for themselves alone and have thus missed half, indeed more than half, of the joy of living. The life of every cell in our bodies depends upon a ceaselessly giving and receiving, a constant exchange with other matter, always expelling wastes and receiving new material. And as it is with the cells of our bodies, so it is, or ought to be, with our lives. There should be a giving and receiving. We should give to the world the best we have to give, and as we give, we shall receive. 
As the cells of the body grow strong in proportion to their normal activity, or clogged with wastes when sluggish and little used, so our lives are brightened and made happy and vigorous when we conform to the law of giving and receiving. But there are some, it will be said, who give all and receive nothing. Then they do not give wisely. The person who gives wisely will always receive, if not at once, then in time. There are others who give nothing and rail at fate because they do not receive, and still others who receive much and seem to give nothing. But they usually will be found to pay most dearly in the end. Activity is the foundation of life. Stagnation means death. Vapor of water rises from the ocean, becomes condensed in the colder air, and falls to earth again, where all the streams are busy carrying it back to the sea. This is typical of the changes through which we ourselves pass. It is contrary to experience and common sense to expect to establish a condition of affairs that shall be enduring. It is well to keep in view the transitory nature of things, and be prepared to take advantage of the opportunities which change brings. It has been said that opportunity knocks but once at our door, and if unheeded, never again appeals for admittance. Opportunity, however, is never far from us, and if we are looking, in earnest, for this seemingly elusive benefactor, we shall not be long in finding it. If opportunity does not come to us, we must go after opportunity. Where there's a will, there's a way. Our lives would be brighter and happier if we gave ourselves more changes. Nature never meant for us to live dull, monotonous lives. And we cannot be our best or do our best unless we have sufficient change to keep all our faculties alert and active. If we are wise, we will study how to give ourselves the changes which we need to make the most of our lives. There are times when we welcome changes, and other times when we rebel against those that we consider undesirable and question nature's wisdom with more or less bitterness. Remember that conditions are always changing. The mighty are falling, and the lowly are being raised to high positions. Always energy is at work, and the wonderful exhibitions of its power are the result of its changing from one form to another. It is amazing to consider all the changes which the past few decades of our lives have brought. Changes that make life an entirely different proposition today from that which confronted our parents or grandparents. We cannot look far into the future or say what changes of life will bring. We can only respond with cheerful hearts to the ever-moving, ever-changing current which is bearing us on into the immensity, the boundlessness of the future. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. For free transcripts of our podcast, please go to livinghour.org. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider becoming a patron. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, which will ensure that we can continue our podcast for years to come. 
To become a patron, please visit patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Simply do a quick search for the Inspirational Living Podcast at patreon.com to find our Patreon page and learn more, including the free gifts we offer to every patron. Subscribe to our free podcast today at the iTunes Store, or at Google Play, or at Stitcher.com. Thank you for listening. We look forward to being with you next time.